Greetings, programs. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. I'm your host, Duncan, and with me today is my intrepid, intelligent, daring, hysterical co-host, Tyler Nickel. Hello, Tyler. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Tyler. I um, am a Vancouver-based uh, writer and uh, host. I host a lot of shows around here in town and internationally sometimes. I've made Germans laugh in Munich. That's a feather in my cap. And awesome. uh, I write for video games. So I'm a dialogue and story writer for several mobile games that you can get if you follow my Instagram, which will be called out at the end of the episode. So you got to listen to the whole thing now. And what about you, Duncan? I am local science fiction writer and poet living in Vancouver, and my day job is computer animator for video games, which is pretty dang sweet considering the subject. Yeah, we matter. are big old video game nerds. Big old nerds. Uh, actually, that's a funny um, that's a funny story in and of itself. Uh, I remember I worked with somebody and I was talking about how I'm a nerd, and he was like, "You're not a nerd." And I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" He's like, "You have friends. You can talk to people. You're social." I'm like, "Uh." Okay. And then he's like, okay, factor this binomial. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then he was kind of like, see, you just, you collect comics. And I was like, yeah, but I've been collecting them since I was six. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any friends back then. You know, like I was trying to sort of like, oh man, what's going on? You know, so I, I wonder about the sort of identity of nerdiness well, and where that's at. As an English literature uh, major, I think it's important that we constantly gatekeep words and tell other people how they can label themselves. Because <laughs> if we don't inform people of what they can feel they are, what are we even doing here? <laughs> That's an excellent point. I actually just am realizing now that I got gatekept. Yeah, you got gatekept uh, hard. In that moment. Um, I, I believe that a nerd is anyone who can just be super obsessive in a loving way about a thing they like. And that thing could be, you can be a sports nerd. You can be a fashion nerd, you can be a space nerd, or you can be an amalgamation of everything nerd, uh, which, according to me, looking around at my wall that has, let's see, it's a Get Smart action figure and some Inspector Gadget stuff and a collection of Canadian five-cent coins. I'm a lot of different nerds. <laughs> a lot of different nerds. Okay, so let's go through the... Uh, yes. Oh, you have coins. What's a coin collecting called again? Uh, stamp, stamp, stamp collecting is called philately. Poof. <laughs> which is, I think, a slightly I mean, unfortunate. You can, you can, you get to the minute. I'll look up what coin collecting is. This is an important okay, multitasking cool. work. Yes. Okay. So in minute three, Sark is talking to the MCP and he's talking about arranging more illegal matches. And Sark's like, let me add him. And he says, make it would make a nice break from those accounting cream puffs you keep sending me. You know, what branch of the service? And MCP is like, strategic air command. And Sark says, nice. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest. Nice. And, and then we cut to the exterior of a hallway where red guards are leaving the poor, unfortunate Krom. Krom! Not, not, not Conan's oh. god, but is a, a compound interest program from, I guess, uh, southern Iowa. It works at a savings and loans. And uh, he's getting press ganged because he's been kidnapped by the MCP to play video games. And he doesn't have a chance. But he keeps talking about to the guards like, hey, hey, I, I'm not a I'm not a, a an athlete. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a you know, compound interest program. And if you keep this up, you're going to make my user, Mr. Henderson, very angry. He's a full branch manager. And the guards are like, great. Another religious nut. So we get one that one drop in the beginning of the fact that some people in the computer think that the outside world isn't real. 
which is fantastic to me. Mm-hmm. I just love that. It's one of the biggest things that I love the most about this entire movie is its sort of comments on religion and existence and and all this stuff. Like I think there was a guy. Okay, well I'm getting off topic. <laughs> and then so he gets thrown into the to the cell. He meets Ram, played by Dan Shore. Ram's like you know seasoned prisoner or whatever he's like i'd say welcome but not here not like this then ram asks crom at the end of the minute hey uh you believe in the users and crom's like yeah sure yeah yeah sure sure yeah yeah sure 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 i do why you know any what's going on uh numismatics (laughs) it's a name of course that's the one numismatics numismatics like numismatics does not sound like coin collecting philately does not sound like stamp collecting but i think they've got like greek or roman uh, Mm. roots or something yeah i just have the nickels because my last name is nickel there you go remember that there was a five dollar canadian coin they were going to call a mooney that would be amazing and weigh my pockets down even more uh for those of you not in canada we changed a lot of our small bills into coins because we could and we did and it's great because you have a pocket full of change and you're like oh i don't know if i can go out tonight i don't have any money i have Oh, I have $58. I can go. <laughs> Let's I, go. I will say the one thing for um, not having $1 bills is when I look at my wallet and there's bills, I'm doing pretty good. And if I go to the States and do the same thing, like, I got like 10 bills in here. That might just be $10. But I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. in Canada, that would have been 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's very, it's a, it's an interesting, and I like our, it's uh, our money is all the different colors. And it's pretty, it's pretty hard to look gangster when you're holding a rainbow. Yeah. I like uh, how we, this is the fastest we've gone off topic after introducing yes. a minute. Yes, okay. And, <laughs> That's true. Okay. Listen, and can, they're here can, for Canadian... hard Tron facts, not casual conversation between friends. Yeah, I mean, you know, Canadian money has some of the same colors as uh, as our represented oh, in this film. Our so. red 50s are evil and our blue 5s are good. <laughs> That's right, obviously. Back okay, on track. so back on track. Sark is talking a bunch of smack talk about accounting cream puffs. Well, let's talk a little bit about the way Sark is dressed. Yes, Sark. Um, so what's one thing I love about Tron is how comfortable it looks like to be a warrior in the Tron world. Because <laughs> those are the cushiest, softest outfits. And, and again, just like a pure, pure statement of David Warner's fierceness is that he is wearing one of the silliest villain outfits in the history of cinema. Yeah, and I think it's a testament to him that yeah. it like it doesn't look like I don't register it as silly. I register him as villainous. Yeah, he's still fierce, but like if you just shot that outfit in normal light without any of the effects on it, you'd be like that man ran full speed at a sleeping bag and used it as fashion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I wonder like my hats are off to the actors because it was filmed in black and white with no effects against a uh, black soundstage. So they could add in the best they were just Kind of like today's version of like filming Lord of the Rings against a bunch of green tennis balls and green walls. Bless Christopher Lee for living eight years in front of nothing. That poor guy. And he cracked that one time, cracked that one time, having a conversation with eight tennis balls and a light would show up under each tennis ball to show who was talking and where his eyelash should be in a room that was just green. And he was by himself. And he was like, I can't do this. I have to leave. And he went to his... uh, trailer and calmed down and then came back and apologized but that was like year seven and a half yeah yeah. (laughs) so it was like no you earned it man you earned a little freak out that's uh yeah so yeah so that's what they were doing the so he talks a lot about that i think the helmet on him with its uh its wingtips (laughs) it kind of they're kind of like it almost looks like he could grab the top symbol on his helmet and crank it down 
and then the wings would come up. Like the kind of like Thor and Thor Ragnarok with like the tree. Yeah, like a like a Kirby like a Kirby helmet in uh, Thor Ragnarok. I think yeah, well, you can see like some Jack Kirby influences on like the the line and the design and stuff like that. Like it definitely feels of like the comic books of the time. Yeah, and they they talk about how like the the designs were done by Mobius. Oh, okay, uh, Jean, yeah, yeah. Jean Garot, and you can kind of see that the famous famous French uh, writer who did yeah the Fifth Element, and he did design work for so. Many. Well, his influence, like Ralph McQuarrie, you can really see for those who don't know the designer of the Star Wars stuff. Uh, you can see a lot of Mobius in Ralph McQuarrie work. Yeah, he's uh, an incredible uh, concept artist. He's no longer with us, but man, his, uh, his he work. he crafted what sci-fi looks like for us, basically. Definitely, definitely, for a whole chapter there. Not bad innings for uh, a European comic book artist. Mm-hmm. He really, he really went into Hollywood and made a made a huge mark there. Yeah, it definitely has a bit of like samurai influence on the Sark outfit. Like you yeah. can kind of see that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that almost yeah, especially at the uh, the crest on the forehead there. That really looks like a samurai helmet. I remember in the behind the scenes they talked about how they were in like white suits running around that had literally been drawn on with black sharpies. <laughs> It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's one of the things you don't think, especially coming to this, like, if you're only watching this for the first time in a modern cinematic era, all of this they had to invent. Any shot you're looking at, like, whatever, like, every visual aspect of that we had to do from scratch. Like, we didn't have, they couldn't make the computers put the images next to each other, <laughs> like, to animate stuff. Like, it's insane. And there's a lot, it kind of, like, in Fury Road, where they say there's no, there's no CG, it's all practical effects, and it's like, no, there's tons of CG. It's just done really well to, like, remove safety nets, and it's used the way it should be. And it's sort of the same in Tron, is that everybody's like, oh, it's all CG, and it's like, oh, there's CG elements, but there's a ton of practical effects. Like, a, lo- a lot of the effects here are done using techniques from, like, the 30s and the 20s. Like, using the black and white instead of the green screen. Because I don't think they were doing too many green screen and blue screen stuff back then. Not in a way that would have worked for what they were trying to do here. Not Because the light effects in particular, like, you really needed to just, like, scrape out the color from behind and light it. Yeah, and there's this, like, five-layer process where, for each frame where they would take it, take out all the black, put in the background, and then backlight the colors on the people. Mm-hmm. And then they would have to add the glows by hand, by uh, techniques that animators had been using on the Disney films for a glowing lake or a magic sword for uh, for a super long time. Like, you know, they're old, old hands. People have been doing effects animation for 30 years. We're doing the effects animation sort of by hand. I think a lot of that was done in Taiwan by the Taiwan crew. Yeah. Th- so I want to address the first line of the MCP here. Again, going back to the, the novelization, which if you haven't read, is a really well done novelization of this film. Uh, but the MCP in the movie refers to illegal matches with the military programs. Where in the novel, he just talks about having maybe the idea of bringing in some military programs. That's right. So not talking about illegal, nothing like that. Just like, hey, we might be capturing some military programs soon. Does that interest you? And, and the same response of right. like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, these are cream puffs. But I like the idea in the film, MCP is aware of law. Like, he's like, hey, this is illegal. You want to do some stuff on the on the down low here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get in, losers. We're doing crime. <laughs> Be cyber, do crimes. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't steal a car. Well, the MCP would. He'd, yeah. he'd, he'd steal all kinds of stuff. 
I think it was a Mindy Kaling joke about cybercrime where she's like, I would steal it if I could touch it for 30 seconds and make a second car and the first person could still drive their car away. Yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, for sure I would. I love that bit. That's a really, really good. I would love to talk about David Warner. If, if you're set up to go, I'll let you, I'll let you well, lead. And I'll I, have his, I have his, uh, his IMDb. His illustrious IMDb. I'm excited to get to some RAM talk later. I'm just going to say I'm going to lead some RAM talk. Okay, later. cool. Yeah, you yeah. lead the RAM and we'll, I'll, I'll lead on David Warner. We'll co-crom. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I did not know this. David Warner has 223 acting credits. Wow. That is like a Vincent Pricey in the amount of acting credits. It's Vincent credits. Pricey or Robert Mitchum. He had a bonkers mm-hmm. amount of uh, credits. But he was working as recently as 2018 in the Mary Poppins Returns movie. Yes. Yeah, he was good in that. With Admiral, Admiral Bloom. I never got around to seeing that. Uh, uh, if you liked Mary Poppins and you just want to watch Mary Poppins again, you can watch this one and have different songs. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, it's the same movie, it's just different songs and Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's good. I liked it. He's in uh, some Doctor Who, Midsummer Murders. Oh, he was in a movie called Cyber Wars in 2004. That's it wild. seems a requirement if you made a British television show, You ha- like part of the contract was you're hiring him. Definitely. He's in uh, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh planet of the apes that's right he was in that weird 2001 planet of the apes oh right wow i blocked that whole film from my brain but thanks for flooding back memories of marky mark on that one champ the first time i saw that it was introduced i saw it at the edinburgh film festival and it was introduced by tim roth and it was the surprise movie every year they have a surprise movie where you can buy a ticket for it without knowing what the movie's going to be and i love the feeling of that so it was like one year they showed Pulp Fiction like four months before it came out or something like that. So it's like, oh my gosh, what's it going to be? And it was a Thursday and they showed Planet of the Apes and it came out on Friday. So it was like, oh great, you showed us this movie one day before it came out and it's not good. <laughs> and no. Tim Roth was kind of like, I'm really glad you're all here to see this movie and I hope you take it in the spirit in which it was intended. That's, and that's like, I'm like, that's not red good. flag, red flag. <laughs> you might as well come out with your hand chest level and be like, if your expectations are here and then like lower it to your waist, like put them down about. <laughs> so I'll see. He was in uh, Spider-Man TV series in 95. Mm. There's two voice acting credits I do want to bring up as my favorites of his roles. Yeah, for sure. But I think what I in oh he was in the mouth of madness in 94 now we're getting nice. into a babylon 5 larry sanders show that's right that was a great show mm-hmm. <laughs> oh wild palms that was a fantastic little uh miniseries stng of course there are four lights as uh gold, gold <laughs> madrid he uh he was amazing in that even under all that makeup that's the thing like under all the makeup and under ridiculous costumes you're still like wow david warner He's a scary bad guy. Yeah, you can throw whatever you want at him. He's just got presence. Like. Yeah. Star Trek Four. Yeah, I should have written these down before I got in there. But he's, <laughs> no yeah, I remember him most from uh, Time Bandits and Tron. So so I have two things I remember him from, and they are, um, I mean, Tron, of course, but he played the character The Lobe in Freakazoid. <laughs> oh, okay. You, you, like, you remember that? Remember that? Oh yeah, no. Um, Freakazoid was very influential on me as a child. For those, it was. It was a very good series. I own it on DVD. Um, nice. So he was also in Batman the Animated Series as Raz Ghoul or Rosh Ghoul. Oh, uh, which he spread over to like Batman Beyond and the Superman series because the interconnected universe of of them. But because he was in the animated series, they brought him in to do 
Freakazoid, which this is going to be a huge tangent, but he's in it, so it's related, and I'm using it. Yep. Um, Do it. So for those who don't know the story of the animated series Freakazoid, which also seek it out because it was so far ahead of its time for weird, like, meme-worthy content, Freakazoid was going to be a side shoot-off of, like, the Steven Spielberg Presents stuff of their own original superhero. So Bruce Timm was brought in to do it, and he's like, oh, cool, I'm going to make, like, a character that's kind of like the Creeper, because they just had him in the animated series, which is, like... Kind of like a good guy Joker. Yeah, his his uh, his designs, his character designs for the Creeper are just like, I mean, his character designs for everything are incredible. So he wanted that. He's like, oh, I want this big guy who just like speaks in pop culture and he's just really annoying and weird and hulking and insane. And he got all the designs done and then kind of came, I, I can't remember the exact, but there was a disconnect where he's like, I don't want to do this show anymore. But he still had all these designs for heroes and villains. And he's like, if you want to do it, that's cool. You can keep my designs. He didn't have any stories behind them. He's just like, here's a rogues gallery of villains. Here's what the superhero looks like. Have fun. And walked away from the project. So you have all these Bruce Timm designed characters. And no story to it. So they just started throwing shit at the wall and introducing villains like you knew who they were the whole time. Yeah, so David Warner came in as the Lobe, which is just an evil scientist with a brain the exact size of his own torso. <laughs> like, <laughs> giant, and he's David Warner being like this fierce, brilliant villain. And the superhero he set up a guy is a guy in pajamas that can't fly, that just runs around with his arms up making whoosh noises. Uh, and it's just him getting so frustrated. <laughs> putting up with the superhero that he is like you know i'm done i don't even want to it's not fun for me anymore i don't even want to do this and it's just one of my favorite things because again he brings this gravitas to what should be like this world ending character <laughs> yeah which should be just like okay the, the gravitas can't get past this ridiculousness yeah but somehow he still makes one of the storylines has freakazoid making his hands get married because he drew on one as a sidekick and then they like do the full marriage ceremony and go to the honeymoon and then his feet are a couple that are fighting as his hands well it's like <laughs> <laughs> this show sounds like solid gold i'd love to uh, i'd love to watch that. it's so obviously a show made out of writers and animators who are like listen no one's paying attention this show is gonna get canceled let's just do whatever we want it's like captain captain power and the soldiers yeah, of the future yeah, or whatever like, no one's super investigating this let's just make it what we want the parent company was in japan and they were like make a show to sell the yep. toys and they're like well what would you like us to do they're like i don't know you're the writers you know what american audiences <laughs> want and they're like oh so just carte blanche yeah, cool 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 okay and it's a really it's a cheesy show but there's some deep disturbing stuff in it yeah that, uh, i was like wow they were just left their own devices control which can either go horribly right or horribly wrong i mean sorry not horribly right, but wonderfully right or horribly <laughs> but wrong. yeah so what we're saying is david warner brings amazingness to any role he's in and bless him for being in this film. yes now i want to talk about crom and the guards <laughs> let's co let's co crom uh so crom Again, no relation to Conan the Barbarian. Well, let's do it with a C. Is a, a, so that's how you know. Yes, that's right. Oh, is uh, Conan Crom with, with a K? I'm going to check on that while you bring oh, up some Crom credits. I thought it was a uh, yeah. Check on that. He's a uh, he's a nice little program played by Peter Jurassic. Now Peter Jurassic is still working. He's got 81 credits to his name. He's one of those hardworking for life character actors. He was on Babylon Five along with Bruce Boxleitner. <gasps> he was on uh, Barney Miller, best theme song ever. Uh, the MASH TV so series, then Tron, then Taxi, Family Ties, Fame, 
Night Court, best theme song ever. MacGyver, Remington Steel, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, best theme song ever. <laughs> Hill Street Blues, Babylon 5, yeah, Third Rock from the Sun, Sliders, oh, So his Dawson's 80s and Creek. 90s were just full of work. That's great. Just full of work. A ton also, of Also, I was 100% yeah. wrong. Krom is with a C. I should know because it's the Cimmerarians like, with a C. That's, that's on me. But some nerd out there felt real superior to me for a moment, and that's what I'm going to <laughs> For a second. Like, ha I know more. And that's, that's always a good feeling of superiority. That's always a good feeling. Knowledge that has no use. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in Tron, he plays yeah. a compound interest program that talks a lot about. Yeah, um, what I want to bring up is another thing I love about Tron is that, again, like they're like, oh, we're going to cover it with special effects. It's going to have all this. And a lot of their outfits are like, so you spent an hour at Fabricland and a hardware store and you got it all figured out, buddy. Like, I love that it's like cybernetic tunics and like stuff like that. It's such, it's such an interesting mashup of styles. Like, what do you want? The simplest and most complex outfits both at once. Yeah. Like the, the, the guards. I'm like, that's clearly hockey gear. Yep. With, with an air respirator. With an air respirator and then like a, a hood. Yeah. You know? And in the in the book, it describes about how like you can't see their faces; they're clouded in shadow. And then in the thing, it's like, nah, that's right there. It's just a guy in a hood. <laughs> I, I can I can see their faces. And another thing was that they had to make the characters, the male characters, wear dance belts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. If, you, if, if you don't know what a dance belt is, it's for dancers in ballet and stuff. The male dancers wear those very tight leotards, and if you have them prancing around and their junk is unsecured it can be quite distracting and so a dance belt kind of uh tucks it in and gives it a nice smooth you know ken ken doll look so that you're not being uh, distracted by that so the first test shots for tron with bruce and jeff running around <laughs> like okay we're gonna need some dance belts yeah. this is a kid show and that's also a pro tip if you're a cosplayer and trying to be like spider-man or anyone wearing spandex uh you're in front of children who are eye level with a bunch of stuff maybe invest in a dance belt if you already spent 120 bucks on the spandex yeah get that dance belt going it's it's did you have anything uh specific to say about the, the i did have for the guys so again going back to the lovely novelization of this work yeah um so the guards are supposed to be faceless they do have one uh, uh just going back to the, this is a nicely written novel uh i like the phrase is one of them you could hear his smirk in his voice for the guards so the guards on this like all the evil guys in the book are super into being evil <laughs> like all of them are a hundred percent on board with what they do and they're like really really proud of themselves as they do this so like it goes on to the whole thing about how like the guards were like used to plucking this and they're super proud like oh hey mcp got another weekly now it's gonna be fun to watch them die like that kind of like oh my god yeah like they're very like on board of just like and that's why they're teasing him is like they're trying to like it'll be funnier if he thinks he can do it <laughs> like, sure you can pal oh you're gosh. a natural athlete have fun out there and it's like oh it's gonna be yeah, great yeah like, yeah it's, it's very sadistic like all of these programs i got i got 20 bucks riding on you yeah, buddy. yeah. <laughs> but again like those are the like it looks like if i full body tackled one of those guys neither one of us would be hurt because that outfit just looks so huggable <laughs> like it's just so soft and nice just collapse to the ground and have a nap but yeah poor crop that guy plays up poor schmuck so well he's got it he's got it down and then yeah when he gets in in the screenplay ram says welcome to luxury living i like that line that's a shame that's not in there yeah yeah it's a shame that's not in there because that's uh yeah what's the i'd say welcome friend but not here not like this oh 
It's uh, way more. It does. It makes him more severe. It makes him. Yeah, yeah. He's still got that, and also it kind of makes him formal when you call someone friend. Good day, friend. It yeah. sounds kind of uh, medieval, almost. You know. Well met, friend, and welcome, adventurer. Well met, adventurer. Yeah. No, uh, so if we're up to Ram, I'm gonna just bring up the one credit of his. I'm gonna be talking about whatsoever. Okay. Well, I'll give a little. A I'm little sure. I'm sure you can guess the one credit of his. I like. I actually, I don't know. All so right. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing this. Okay, so Ram is played by Dan Shore. Dan Shore is another working actor who's still working today. He was in Jessica Jones, apparently. And I'm like, what? Who was he in Jessica Jones? Hmm. He must have had a role that just went past. He was in Knott's Landing, a lot of Cagney and Lacey, Murder, She Wrote, again. He was in Bill and Ted's there Excellent it is. Adventure. Get back to That's that Billy one. the Kid. Okay, there it is. And then he was in uh, Beauty and the Beast, the sweet one with uh, Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton. 30-something, STNG, Red Rock West with Nicolas Cage, Voyager, Air Force One, X-Files. One of those faces I've probably yeah. seen a dozen I mean, times. you did carelessly just breeze right by Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. But okay. <laughs> I did. Okay. I, breezed, I, breezed, uh, I breezed past. <laughs> and, but I keep, I, I also, I keep wanting to call him Rom. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I was thinking it would be funny if they had twins in the movie named Ram and Rom. That'd be nice. And Rom only ever says one thing, and Ram keeps rewriting and improvising. <laughs> yeah, no, I am um, a lifelong Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure fan. And Billy the Kid. He does a great job as Billy the Kid in that. And I think if you haven't seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, first of all, I don't know how you spend your time if you have enough to listen to this podcast, but <laughs> you got spare time on your hands if you're hearing this, but all right, fine. Like, But yeah, uh, in it, he, he plays, of course, uh, William the Kid, the, the famous cowboy. And part of why I love that movie so much is that Barely any of the historical figures they kidnap are phased by the idea of time travel, but none more so than Billy the Kid and Socrates, who just immediately are like, yeah, all right, let's, this is our day today. Let's just have fun with it. And they're just casual as anything in the world. And I can't imagine what the director said to him where it wasn't like, because you'd think, be like, oh, I'm a cowboy in medieval times now. I'd be look around all curious. It's like, no, he's fine. He was cool as a cucumber, buddy. And he, I kind of feel that too in Ram, where it's just like, you're a cybernetic guy locked in a cage and another guy just got jammed in and you're asking him about religion. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds okay. good. Was, he, sure. he has this like calm demeanor to him that I just find endlessly endearing. Yeah, he really, he's really, really good. He's one of the better, but like, well, <laughs> there's only like five characters and they're all really strong. But he's, uh, he's definitely a good, like a charming rogue but also like oh yeah like a You'd ranger want this guy like, in your Aladdin, party like something sure. that's not he's yeah because he's yeah. the one that could probably get in and out he look he's got that that uh that tricky you know that tricky look to him that's like yeah, he oh, seems yeah, like a guy where like walls. if you were doing yeah. a heist he could just easily walk into the back room of a building and no one would have stopped him because of the stride looks like yeah he belongs here <laughs> like yeah exactly yeah and then uh and then he asks crom do you believe in the users and that's when we get into a discussion about, like, he's like, yeah. Which also, I hell do. of an opening line with a stranger. I don't know about you. I find on the bus, I nudge people, and I'm like, you believe in God? <laughs> and they just, no, but, like, users. Do you believe in users? Yeah, yeah, which is kind of opens up that that uh, that whole can of worms about we are gods to them, but we're practical gods, and they are versions of us. Like, whatever program I write is a small version of me running around in there metaphorically which i think is uh 
a fascinating way to look at it. Like if you fire up, like in the video game, if you fire up the game with the joystick, then presumably your character will look exactly like you, even though you're only playing the game for like a minute. There's there's kind of a reflection on this, which I mean, this is like a big topic to bring up this deep into the minute. But um... yeah, well, maybe we could get happy back. Yeah, yeah I'll... I'll... I'll bring it up a bit for now, but it was kind of the idea at this time too, there was still almost a more, more of a magic to electronics than there is now. I feel like where it's like, how does it work? I don't know, man. And like, it was so simplistic. Like what you see in the screen, it's like a dot with a line behind it. And then inside it's way more complicated. And I think now that that's kind of lost, maybe a little bit of that element of this movie might be lost on a new viewer, but feeling that magic of like, what is happening in there? That's making this amazing thing happen in front of me was way more pre- like there when there wasn't as much to see like now it's like oh the characters meet now i've seen 3d models up close of his face and i can take apart the wireframe i know what that character looks like it's not me yeah like i was thinking that technically if i i could maybe do i could create a sequence of me wearing a black and white leotard with uh with sharpie on it and using the old school techniques i could create a similar bit of and the well yeah like i could make a light cycle mm-hmm myself you know racing around but like with the 3d animation that i've picked up so what you're saying is if we ever get to do this as a live show we're showing up in shiny leotards oh heck yes we are (laughs) so you heard it you heard it here start petitioning local theaters (laughs) the more the more homemade the better and uh then we have okay so i want to talk just briefly about the summer of 1982 because we'll get into we'll get into that i'm sure in later podcasts but uh tron flopped and the summer of 1982 within six weeks Okay, not just that year, but within six weeks, we got Blade Runner, Conan, Tron, Star Trek II, E.T., The Thing, Ooh. Poltergeist, Rocky Three, and The Road Warrior in six in six weeks. Yeah, it's it's on record as the most amazing summer that has ever been in cinema. Like nineteen eighty four gives it a close second because I think that was uh it was definitely mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. It might have been Raiders. Like there was there was some incredible stuff in there. But nineteen eighty two also saw The Dark Crystal and the Secret of Nim, big deal. But it also saw like uh Sophie's Choice, The Sword and the Sorcerer, Pink Floyd's The Wall. So basically like redefined pop culture for like like oh like when you think the eighties, you're like this is the summer the eighties started. Yeah, we got Creep Show, Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid, Cat People, Basket Case, like Megaforce, Liquid Sky, The Last Unicorn, Diner that that started like nine careers. Like it was but that six week thing, so Blade Runner flopped and people always say, Oh, it's because audiences didn't get it. <laughs> And the thing flopped because they said, oh, audiences right after E.T. didn't want to see uh, a mean alien. It's not the subject matter. It's that home video didn't really exist at that point, or it was just starting to. And everybody still went to the theaters for their media. And there were some multiplexes, but there weren't a lot. And so you had to choose what you wanted to spend your money on, what movie to see. And so I think it was just... You were overwhelmed. Yeah. You were overwhelmed by the quality, and uh, there were some clear winners. You know, like Star Trek Two did ridiculous. The Road Warrior did okay. Uh, E.T. was the highest-grossing film of all time for a long time. Seven hundred ninety-two million dollars on a budget of ten million. Oof. Conan did great. Poltergeist did great. Rocky Three did great. But Steven Spielberg was just like Scrooge McDuckin that summary. <laughs> oh yeah, and after that they were. Hey, Stephen, what do you want to do? Well, I was stop digging, you hit oil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know you, you've got it. Have some. Yeah, whatever thought you had, I'd like to point a camera at it. 
It's just really too bad, I think, that like Blade Runner Tron, The Thing, and The Road Warrior all got kind of boned a little bit that summer and have gone on, luckily, to become mm. amazing classics. But well, like, I think Tron was part thing of it. Is I think a lot of those are films that benefit from watching more than once. Yeah. Like, that's a movie that you watch, have a discussion about, and then watch again. Yeah, like after hearing a lot of these other movie by minute podcasts that listen to like the fifth element, halfway through the the Groundhog Day one, Flash Gordon, I want to watch them again now after hearing them having been gone into with that minutia, and I'm, I'm really hoping that that happens to our listeners with Tron. That'd be nice. And if you are listening, let us know. It's a void that we're talking to, and it's always good to hear from people. It it genuinely brings uh, light into the heart of some online people. If you just reach out and be like, "Hey, I listened. It was fun." And it doesn't take much out of your day, and it's nice for them. That's not just for us, that's for everybody. Support the things you support. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that for a minute three? Do you I think, think that's a that's a solid over half an hour about minute three. Yeah, that's good. We have we have All now right, talked. Well, I think we're at we have now probably talked more about this film in the first three minutes than the film runs, which is again a fascinating thing of this this style of podcast that I'm just getting introduced to. Yeah, it's incredible, and I've listened to a bunch, and I really, uh, I really like director's commentaries have kind of gone away, and this is like, Fan uh, commentary. Uh, yeah, like a version of that that's so, so much more. Well, I look forward to our next minutes. Should we, should we, should we wrap it up? Do we a wrap up thing here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's wrap it up. Well, that takes us to the end of this minute. Tell us, Tyler, where can people find you if they want to hear more of your happenings and insight? Uh, if you want to look at what this just giant snack of a voice sounds like <laughs> if you want to see the body it's coming out of uh why not take a visit to dork zombie that's d-o-r-k zombie and on the instagrams and uh, i post there i would say like two to three times daily so you won't be short of content uh, and also post about any shows i have coming up or games that i'm working on and that kind of thing and so it's a fun little portal into my life uh depending on when this comes out i either am heading towards or have just done some massive things so look forward to those and yeah, Duncan, how can we find out more about uh, other stuff? All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with uh, us, reach out to tronologicallyspeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com. Or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking, the Tron Minute by Minute listeners page. The intro and outro music were created by Roman Foster over at Pond 5. Go there for some of your music needs. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminute.com and see if your favorite movie is there. If it isn't, consider doing one yourself. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community. I now dance along when he does that. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and uh, do you want to do end of line on three? I think we should. All right. Three, two, one. End, end of, of line. line. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah, we nearly, we, yeah. One of these times. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. See you next time. See you next time.